welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Thursday the 21st of February 2013, entitled Counting the Cost. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 31. Here's Pastor Luke Guadano. Good to see everyone tonight. It's good to be back with you. It was a blessing to be with you in July. Good to see you. Uh, what uh, I, I had the opportunity of uh, coming back to this church after uh, not being here for 10 years. Last time I had been here other than July was 2002, and uh, it was good to see just what the Lord's doing here, just as far as uh, seeing Brother Curtis's faithfulness, seeing the other folks that have come in. It was a blessing to meet a lot of the couples, see folks that had gotten married and, and now having children and all of that, people getting grown up and and all of that, and, and uh, that's, a, that's a blessing, and, and just seeing some folks that I hadn't seen Shelly in a long time, and, and uh, it, it just does my heart well to see things going on. So many times when you go to a place, uh, you hear that church is not there no more, or so-and-so is over here, and they're not, they're not serving, and, and God has his ways, and we you know, don't want to get discouraged about folks like that, but I'm just saying it's a special blessing to come and to be able to see what the Lord is doing here, and you may not see it. I want to encourage you because uh, I know we, there's other churches represented here tonight, but it's, it's true in your church as well. A lot of times you don't see what's going on right there in front of you, and sometimes there's blessings that you just cannot see, and, and sometimes you need somebody else to come in and say, wow, that's, that's really good, that's really great. And, uh, you know, you, you take things for granted. We take our families for granted. And people will say, what a nice family you have. And I think, you know, those kids were terrorizing me the other, last week. And, and, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? But when, you know, you go away, when I go away, I think, boy, I miss my family. And what a blessing my family is. And I heard, you know, Penas, this little one, you know, wailing a little bit before dinner tonight. And, and I think of those days. And, uh, but it's a blessing. And it's a blessing, um, our God is a blessing to us. And so uh, in these few days, I, I want to try to just bear my heart, be a blessing to you. I'm not here really to put on a show or, uh, you know, to just tell you a bunch of stories, but I want to be a blessing to you, and I want to see you go away different. I want to see, uh, you know, everyone that's here tonight, and everyone here tonight, you're here for a reason. You know, God put you here for a purpose. And uh, some of you have, might have been excited to come. Some of you might have just kind of dragged in. You know, I know what that's like. I grew up in construction, and uh, people say, when, was, when did you uh, go full-time for the Lord? When did, when did you become a preacher? Well, that, that's a long story, but really I was full-time before I was full-time, if you know what I mean. I was, I was working in the ministry, not sleeping at night, working construction. I know what it's like to come in and, you know, been out in the cold all day working and then sit in a chair and have some guy preach at me and, and have me just kind of, you know, nodding off. And so I, I, I always told myself, if I'm ever up there preaching to folks, I'm not going to get on them when they're tired and they're look, having that look about them. And, and I know what that's like. But you're here tonight and you're here for a reason. And God has a message for you. And um, each and every one of you have a purpose and, and God has a plan for your life. And uh, I know that that sounds like, well, yeah, duh, I, I know that, but I think we forget that sometimes, that God really does have a purpose. There's something you're supposed to do. I mean, tomorrow at work, there's something that, you know, God has a plan, and we're not just floating through life. And so um, we're going to talk about a lot of things in the upcoming sessions, but uh, tonight I'm going to deal a little bit with preparation, 
And uh, the, the whole topic is impact your world, impact your world. And there's a lot of things that have to happen for us to really impact our world. Would you agree with me? I mean, there, we need to have some change in our lives. We need uh, to maybe lay aside some weights. We need to maybe uh, get our mind thinking right. Sometimes we don't know how to love people. We don't really know how to impact them. Sometimes we do love them, but do they, do they feel loved by us? Sometimes, uh, you know, couples can get into that trouble where, where we, uh, we, we're trying to love that person next to us, but they're saying, I don't feel loved. And that's kind of exasperating, especially for a guy, you know. What do you mean, you know? What do you mean, you know, you don't feel loved? I told you once when we got married. I love you, you know. But uh, we'll talk about a lot of things in these upcoming sessions. But uh, tonight, preparation. Lord, uh, impress upon my heart. Um, I preached a whole series, and I'm not going to do it in this conference, on preparation. And then I, uh, the Lord allowed me to preach that message in another place that I went into the West Indies, where it was specifically talking about finishing your course with joy was the topic. And so tonight, there's some things that we need to, I don't know if you want to call them preliminary decisions. We're, we're, we're talking about preparation tonight. We're going to talk about choosing some things tonight, making some choices. But even before we really begin to prepare, uh, when I was in the West Indies, uh, I wanted to climb before I get too old and decrepit, Brother Curtis. <laughs> not, 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 not saying anything. Uh, <laughs> well, I, well, at least I got a reaction on that one. But, but my thought was, Brother Curtis, that I had climbed this one. There's a piton in St. Lucia. There's two. And uh, one is kind of, it's, it's the big one, but it's, it's shaped like that, like a cone. But the other one is like this. And I climbed, a few years back, I climbed that big one. And I said, I, I want to climb this other piton. And uh, it's an all-day event, and it's a big deal, and it's hot, and it's slippery, and, you know, all of this. And you have to have a guide go with you, and there's some ropes that you have to climb, and all this kind of thing. But I, had a, I wanted to prepare to climb this thing. And so we had a 5K race coming up. I said, well, I better get involved with that, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. But even before I actually put feet on the ground, before I decided that I was going to actually physically prepare to climb the piton, there were some mental decisions I had to make. You know what I mean? In your mind, you have to get some things straight in your mind. And sometimes when we uh, want to make a change in our life or we see something in the church, in our ministry, where we want to go forward, we, we, we want to get to a certain place. But, you know, the battle so many times I find is in our mind, and, and the devil knows that. The devil, you know, his, his warring way, his, his battle many times is in your mind where he's trying to attack there because if he can get you there, you know, you're not going you're not gonna to get what you need down in here if you're not thinking right. And so, so just uh, preliminarily, we need to make some, some decisions. We need to, you know, get in our mind the right thing. We need to be thinking about the right thing. Um, we need to decide some things. We need to make some decisions. Um, and uh, let me say that we need to choose some things ahead of time, ahead of time. You know, you hear preachers say, decide to come to church ahead of time. I remember my dad would 
you know, I remember growing up, he would just drill that into us. You need to decide ahead of time that you're going to go to church. And, I, and that's really not part of my notes. I'm just trying to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, choosing things ahead of time. Because what happens is if you wake up on Sunday morning and you're, and you're tired, you're not feeling well, and then you have to think, well, do I want to go to church today? Well, do you feel like going to church? Not really, you know? So what happens? We don't go to church. And you know how that can be. And so, but if the decision is made ahead of time, we're going to church no matter what. And my dad lived that way. I mean, uh, I, I remember one time, and it always, trouble always happened just before church. I mean, it seemed like the wheels would fall off just before church. I remember coming into the kitchen one time, and, and my dad's going like this on the, on the, the sink, and the water's shooting everywhere. And, and, he's, and he's, you know, shut, shut the water off, shut the water off. And we had to go in the basement to shut the water off. The, 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 the sink was just, the whole faucet thing came apart. And everyone looked at Dad like, what are we going to do? We've got to fix the faucet. Dad said, shut the water off, we're going to church. That's, you know, the decision's made. We're going to church. And so I grew up with that. I was able to see that. But the lesson that I learned was make some decisions ahead of time. And so you need to make some decisions ahead of time. The first thing that we'll talk about here is counting the cost. Counting the cost. Now, that's not something that's really popular. You know, when we're talking about serving the Lord, when we're talking about making decisions for our family, okay, we want to get to a certain place. I wanted to climb that piton, bad. But am I willing to pay the price? You know, and... You know, when I got out there on that 5K race, let me tell you, 5K doesn't seem like much, and I, and I, and I would run it and train, but when I was actually competing, I, I mean, I was dying. I was torture, torture. I was doing good. Uh, two of the guys that ran with me, they, they uh, last minute, they chickened out. They didn't run. And I ran, and I was making good time. And, and I was, when I was all said and done, my lungs were burning, but I said, you know, I did the best I could, and I looked at the time, and it was the best time I ever had. And I was, pretty, I was feeling pretty good about myself until this 72-year-old guy had a better time than me. 72 years old. I ran with this guy for, like, the first kilometer, second kilometer, and then, you know, we get in that 3-4 mark, he got a little bit ahead of me, and on that last one, man, you should have seen this guy go. 72 years old! But, you know... The, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, is it's, not, it's not his thing. You know, it wasn't that, you know, I've got to run my race. But we climbed the Piton. We made it. We did it. It rained the night before. But I had to choose ahead of time that when the going got tough, that I was going to keep going. Because you don't feel like it when you're out there. You don't feel like it, you know, when you get involved. But what we're doing in this Christian life, what we're doing with our family, we've got to realize that there's going to be some things that are going to be troublesome. There's going to be some things that come up that are not always going to be comfortable. You know, we pay a price. It is worth it. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor. Now, if you would talk to the world, they'd look at a Christian and they would say, well, you got it tough. You can't do this. You can't do that. But that, really, that's not true. Those that are, you know, have the Lord, those that are uh, serving the Lord, really have a, you know, the Bible says my, you know, burden is easy. You know, my, you know, my, you know, my way is light, paraphrase. You know what I'm saying? God's way is the, way. It's the easier way. 
Is that me? Um, but, uh, but the way the transgressor is hard. But that being said, not every situation is going to be easy. And our human nature is going to be, let's just take this other way. And we don't want to pay the price today. We don't want to go down that road. So, you know, first we need to count the cost. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke. I know there's a couple of verses on the board, but we'll look in Luke chapter 14, and we'll start reading in verse 25. I'll just give you a moment to get there, and uh, we'll look at the Scripture tonight. But with this thought in mind, uh, Luke, Luke 14 and verse 25, counting the cost, the Bible says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And, you know, really, the thought here is that, you know, we need to get to where we're, we're sick of our way. We're sick of our life. You know, we're... we're it's so many, so many times we're, we're looking in and we're saying, I want this and I want that and, and I'm holding on to everything and my family and everything, but, but really it needs to be, I'm, I, like, like Paul said, you know, this, I count this but dung. This is nothing for the excellency that I have in Christ. And we've got to make a decision, you know, that it's, it's not about all of that. Verse 27 says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross... Okay, so there's some, that's a task. There's some work involved there. Some discomfort, if you will. Bearing, cross-bearing, and come after me. Cannot be my disciple. And we want to be a disciple of Christ, right? We say that. We want, you know, to be that. But do we want to bear the cross? Verse 28, For which of you intended to build a tower sitteth not down first. Now that's preparation, right? Sitting down first. When I was here last time with Brother Curtis, I sat down first and drew up all these new plans for this platform. Took me a long time. That's preparation. Sit down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Um, And less happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Um, and, and, and today we've got a, a generation of people that like to start stuff, but seldom do we have what? Finishers. People that'll actually finish the job. Everyone wants to start a job. We did a big building project at our church, a year long. We, we converted 20,000 square feet. 20,000 square feet, 95% all people in the church did it. And everyone loves to start a project. But be there at midnight when it's, you know, you're, you're grinding out those hours to, to finish it. But you've got to be able to say, you know, do we, ha- what do, you know, let's plan ahead. Let's decide what we're going to do. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or what king go, going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. I mean, 10,000, 20,000, that's, that's two against one, okay? Now, there's no restraint to the Lord. And, I mean, I was just teaching a couple of weeks back and, and talking about uh, Joshua and, and, you know, one of you will chase a thousand. That's what was the, the, the word there. One will chase a thousand. So there's no restraint to the Lord, but you've got to know going in. Again, we're talking 
preliminary decisions, making some choices ahead of time, counting the cost, realizing what we're up against. Because when there's, you know, uh, two against one, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a little bit of a, a battle or a war or, I mean, anything, whether it's from physical to having an argument about something or, you know, different team. I don't care what you've done. And it's two against one. That's not really good odds when you think two against one. But our tendency is to look out there and then realize we can't do it. It's, it's two against one. You see what I mean? But if, if we're able to count the cost ahead of time and say, well, we should expect this because, you know, God said that we're going to have to count the cost and that it's not always going to be easy and all of that, but God clearly gave me this direction, and when the going gets tough, I'm going to still get going because I've expected this. I'm, I'm mentally prepared for this. Sometimes we think it's going to be easy. We go into something, whether it's marriage, People getting married, they think it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be just, you know, we're going to skip down the, you know, it's, it's just going to be, you know, everything's perfect, you know. And, and people get married and, and marriage really is a wonderful thing. Two are better than one. That's what the Bible says. And all the, the Hollywood jokes today is all around everyone that's married. Are you, are you kidding? He's married. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have any fun, you know. And that's the, the perception. But that's all, that's all wrong. But to go into marriage and think that there's never going to be a problem, never going to be an argument, would you agree that's a wrong mindset? We're, we're not expecting the right thing. And when we get going in the Christian life, when we're heading down this Christian road, when we're making a decision to raise our children according to the dictates of the Bible, we've got to prepare ourselves mentally to say, we're going to face some opposition here. And it, it may be two against one. Do you still want to do this? I mean, count the cost. Do you still want to do this if it's two against one? And some may, people may say, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to bear that cross. I'm not willing to walk with the Lord. Too many times people just uh, in the congregation, they, they say, oh, yes, I, I, I want, I want uh, to, to be this, or I want to be that, or I want to be a missionary. And they really haven't counted the cost. They really haven't made that decision. People say, I want to get married. And I have people come into my office and they say, we want to get married. They really haven't counted the cost. Now, you understand, that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm, I'm talking about making some decisions, preparation. I don't know what your thing is. You know, I don't know what is going on in your life. Each of you have different things going on. But the challenge is count the cost. Understand ahead of time what's going to be. I'm not trying to dissuade you from a decision that you're making. But understand, okay, God wants me to go this way, preacher. Good. I'm glad. Go that way. Brother Curtis, you know, he's been here serving in England. But I guarantee it hasn't always been easy. And if he thought that it's just going to be wonderful and there's never going to be a problem, well, as soon as trouble comes, he's going to go, what in the world is going on? I must have chose wrong. I must have missed God somewhere. You see what I mean? We've got we've to have a, uh, our, our face has to be set. The Bible says like a flint. And, and, and be able to go down that road. So count the cost ahead of time. Um, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsake not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And what God is saying here simply is no reservation. I'm not holding anything back. God, I'm yours. You know best. 
I used to struggle with that. I was a young man growing up in the church, and I would think, you know, if I surrender my life to God, he might tell me to marry someone I don't want to marry. He may send me to Africa to eat grubs or something, you know? You know how you think. I mean, we, we think, but really we don't know God. The more I understand about our Savior, I realize that he knows everything. He is not like the devil that wants to pull, pull the rug out from under your feet and go, ha, 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 you didn't read the fine print, you know? That's not our God. Our God loves us. Our God does have a purpose and a plan, but when we go that way, he designed us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows uh, what will bring us happiness. It's not all about us. So many times in our prayer life, we're, we're saying, Lord, you know, would you do this? And Lord, would you do that? And we're trying to get God to line up with, with what we want. And he, we're trying to get God really to line up with like our will. And that's our prayer life where really we ought to be going, okay, God, what do you want? And Lord, help me to accept what you want for me. And it's all right to communicate and say, God, I don't really like that. God, I don't really, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to go here. I don't understand this. We ought to pray to God. He knows everything anyway. You know, talk to him. God never, I mean, you can go to Jeremiah who, you know, he did what God told him to do and, 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 they threw him in the pit. And Jeremiah said, this is what I get for opening my mouth and doing what you told me to do, God. You told me to do it, and I did it, and they threw me in a pit. I'm not saying it no more. I'm not going to open my mouth no more. I'm not going to preach no more. I'm not going to tell him no more. And that was his attitude, and he's talking to God like that. And we think, but you, God never, you don't ever see God going, what are you, what are you doing, you know? God is, he, he, to someone that is honest and straight, with, with God, I'm not talking about being disrespectful, but I'm just telling you that God is not what we think. And, and God dealt with him in a kind and loving way. And before you know it, Jeremiah is going, it was like a fire burning in my soul. I couldn't stay. It's coming out of me. And, and, and before you know it, he's, he's preaching again. But, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there's got to be no reservation. There's, we've got to count the cost. We've got to be able to say, Lord, it's yours. And really, it's not his if when he does something, what proves it is when we start squirming, when we start whining, when he does something. Then, then I know, I guess I really didn't give it to the Lord. I was a young uh, whippersnapper. I still am, but... Um, about 15 years ago, my wife was working a job, and um, she was making a small income, and I said, I'm the man of the house. And I said, you know, I'm in charge of the finances. I'm a, you know, I see a few people want to laugh. Go ahead, you can laugh, you can laugh, all right. All right, and so, so I said to her, I said, everything is ours together, right? Yes, everything is ours together. I'm in charge of the finances, right? Yes, yes. Okay, you're in charge. You're the head of the home. You're in charge of the finances. All right. Okay, so I left that. Well, the next day I said, I want to take this money. I want to take it from here, which is your check, and, and put it over here. And what do you think happened? What? <laughs> you know? And I was pushing buttons. And I'm not suggesting doing that. You know, I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that that proves the point that I'm really not, you know, it's not mine to do with what I please. You understand what I'm saying? We do that with God. We say it's, you know, 
God, do whatever you want to do. And then when God does something, you know, we go, what are you doing? And, and honestly, God is going to do what he wants to do anyway. That's one thing that I realized. I used to think, I can't give my kids to God. What, what happens if God takes one of my children or whatever? And I really struggle with that. But then I realized that God's going to do whatever he's going to do anyway. He's God. And God loves us. Why am I holding back from God? Why am I fighting him? It's like, you know, with little children. I, you know, I've got uh, my youngest is seven years old, and sometimes he's doing things, and I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing? And I'm trying to hold him back and trying to help him, and, and he has no idea that I'm trying to help him. He's fighting me the whole way. And I think sometimes we're like that. God wants to love us. God wants to help us. And, and we, we don't just say, God, without any reservation, I know you know best. You know, wouldn't it be good if, if, if you know, my son just said, yeah, Dad, I understand. You know, you're, you're more experienced than me. Just go ahead. You tell me what to do. Oh, okay, don't go. Oh, all right, this is easier. This is the easier way. But are we like that? No. But we ought to be. We ought to be. And we ought to be able to trust God. But we need to make that mental decision. Choose who you'll serve. Joshua, you don't have to turn there. You know this verse. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And we've got to choose. We've got to take time. I don't know, maybe you grew up in church or maybe you're just here for a, who knows the reason, but you've really never made a decision that you made. It was your decision that I'm choosing the Lord. Me and Brother Curtis were talking about that. Sometimes people need to go out into the workforce or go somewhere where they're forced to make a decision. And sometimes people make the wrong decision. But have you chosen that this is your God? that you will serve the Lord. You have to make that decision. Be sure your heart is fixed, as I mentioned before. The Bible says in Psalms 57, 7, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing, uh, sing and give praise. So no matter what, I'm going to, you know, my heart is fixed. I've, I've established this in my life. God is good. You know, that sounds pretty simple, Brother Luke. God is good. But he is and, and I know that for a fact. God is good. He's revealed himself enough to me. I understand enough in the, that word of God that he is good. And you know what? That carries me through when something bad is happening. My heart is fixed. God is good. How can I sing praises to him? How can Paul in the prison sing praises to God? Because he says, God is good. My heart is fixed. I know what I'm talking about. He is good, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If, if, if our life is dictated, if our attitude is dictated by circumstances, we're in a tough place. But, but here, uh, the admonition is, my heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing praise. I will sing and give praise. Um, in my notes, I say, you know, we say this in America, get your game face on. You know, we get ready to play sports or whatever. You know, American football, Rah! get your game face on. That's... that's uh, you know, what we need to do. Isaiah says, for the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. So my face is set. The Bible says in another place that that's, that's, that's uh, I think I have it here in Ezekiel, as an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. So we're talking about, you know, the face of steel, like Superman, you know, bullets bouncing off your teeth. You know what I mean? My heart is fixed. My, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm heading this way because God has given me this direction. 
I've chosen, I've counted the cost. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm, one thing is clear, I know God wants me to go this direction. And so I'm heading down this direction, and God is going to have to send a stick of dynamite to blow me out of this path that I'm going. And I say, Lord, please have patience with me. I'm, I'm, I'm not real smart. And Lord, please just dynamite me out of here and, and move me over here. You can do it. Just show me real clear, and I'll do it, and I'll follow you, Lord. And I believe that's the attitude that we ought to have. So you know, count the cost is, is first. Choose who you will serve. Choose to fulfill your promises. Again, preliminary decisions. We're, we're trying to plan for success. We're trying to you know, have a heart of preparation. Choose to fulfill your promises. I'll give you another biblical example in the book of Ruth. Okay, we know Ruth. What a, what a sweetheart. What a, what a great story. Book of Ruth. Here's this Moabitess woman. She's not a Jew. She's a foreigner in a foreign land. All right? Uh, Naomi comes, and her boys marry. You know, Ruth is in Orpah. They get married to these Jewish boys. They die. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back to the land where I came I hear there's bread there. The famine is, is, is uh, not there anymore. I came out full, and I'm going back empty. And Ruth says, I'm going to go with you. The Bible says that she said that my God will be your God. Where you, you know, lie, that's where I'm going to be. Where you lay your head at night, that's where I'm going to be. And she says, you know, God do so to me to more if death is, you know, the if, if only death parts us, you know what I mean? If anything separates us other than death, is what she says. So, she, and so Naomi says, you don't understand what you're saying. You need to stay here in this land. But Ruth says, I'm going with you. And the Bible says, she said, okay. But she gave her that word. Well, that's noble. Take care of your mother-in-law, all of that. But what happens is she goes back to the land of Israel. And you know what? She's a Moabitess in the land of Israel, and they're poor. And Ruth has to go and beg for food. Think of this humbling experience. Think of being a foreigner, an outcast. Let me tell you, the Jews had no love for the Moabites, all right? She's got to come, and then she's got to, you talk about humbling down. It would have been a lot easier for her to turn around and say, this was a bad idea. I think I need to go back to, to, you know, my parents, my land, where it's, what, a little bit easier. But she said, I'm choosing to fulfill my promise. I gave my word. I'm going to take care of that woman. And again, if you don't make those preliminary decisions, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to follow through with what I said. We make all kinds of promises from, you know, oh, hi, how you doing? You know, preachers are the best at it, you know. Oh, yeah, praying for you, brother. How you been, you know. Someone says something, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. You know, you ain't prayed five seconds for that. You know, I'm real careful about what I say about that kind of thing because I take it serious. We ought to fulfill our promises. You know, I've been around this independent Baptist movement for a while. I see guys as it, a shame, and it's, it's not just Baptists, but it, you know, even in the world today, people don't keep their word. This is, it's not like it used to be 100 years ago where we, you could have a handshake and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what I said I'm going to do. And right from the government and all the way down, 
people don't keep their word. And we're going to have to choose to fulfill our promises. Because when, you know, the missions basket comes by to support that guy over in, you know, Venezuela or wherever the place may be, and we made a promise, we're going to have to sit there and say, what am I going to do? But if your decision is, I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way, I'm not saying how you should prioritize your life and your giving and your money and all of that, but what I tell our folks, I says, okay, study it, find out, ask the Lord what you should do. Okay, I'm going to give my tithe first. I'm going to give to my missions second. I'm going to do these things. You know, this is the way I do it, but I'm not saying that this is the way you should do it, but I'm saying get it straight what you're going to do. Pay the doctor. Who's more important? You know what I mean? I counsel people for financial, financial counseling. I say you need to decide what is important, you know, because if you've got it prioritized and you've already made the decision, then when the time comes, you know, when the pressure's on you, you know, human nature is you make the wrong decision when pressure comes. And what you need to do is prayerfully, no matter where you're at, again, I'm talking, you know, financial decisions and giving and all of that right now. But again, don't miss the point. That's just an example. I don't know what, what you're dealing with. I don't know where you're at. But what you, what you need to do is ahead of time say, Lord, what would you want me to do? We need to pray. Fasting is something that is a, a doctrine that's hardly not taught anymore. And there's great power in fasting. The Bible says there is. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. So there's another level that you can reach by that. But the thing is, is that I'm going to make these decisions. Lord, if you, if you could all help me. Help me to be able to organize all of this. I understand that your word is a lamp unto my feet, you know, a light into my path. I'm not going to understand everything. You know, me, I want to see over the crest of the hill. I want to see what's going on the other side. But, you know, I don't understand all of this. But God will give you some insight where he'll say, this is the way you need to do this. And then when you run up against it, you're not having to make all these decisions on the fly. Choose to fulfill your promises. Prioritize those things. Choose to go all of the way. Hannah, Mishael, Azariah, you know, here, these guys, they choose in the book of Daniel, here's these three Hebrew children, Nebuchadnezzar, that wicked old king, that guy that was worse than Adolf Hitler. I mean, you studied him historically. He was a butcher. I mean, this is a bad guy. And they stand up to him and say, we are not going to bow no matter what you do to us. I mean, you, you didn't really mentally think about what those guys did. They're brave. But they already had their mind fixed, harder than Flint. They had made a decision. I'm going, whether they put me in the furnace, we're not going to bow. And their mind was made up. How did they have the peace? How did they have the, the fervor to even go up to there? We know God saved them. We know the story, the fourth man in the fire. But they said, even if he doesn't save us, we're going through. And there's plenty of examples. You know, Paul, you know, physically he had, what, a bad ending. You know what I mean? History says Nero chopped his head off. Jesus went to the cross. You could follow the disciples all over Europe and Africa. You know, St. Andrew's cross is because Andrew got crucified that way. Those disciples all got killed. But they made a decision, we're going to the end no matter what. And so it's not about exactly that what happens to us. The thing is, is what are you going to do? You'll never, people will say, I'll never deny God. You're not going to, 
You will deny him if you don't set your mind up and say, Lord, I need to count the cost. But Lord, lead me in the way I should go and let me make this decision. And those Hebrew children said, we're going no matter if we burn or not. And God did a great work. And the testimony was throughout the whole land. So choose, choose ahead. Choose a, uh, another challenge. Choose ahead of time who is most important, you or the other guy. You know, uh, there's so many times where we are just put ourselves first. We, we, we're the one that we care about, you know, and we really don't think about others. The Bible says the whole thing could be summed up in this. Love God, right? And what else? Love others. Love others as yourself. You know, put Jesus first, others second. Sometimes we get that backwards. Choose to forget. Choose to forget. Again, mental decisions that will lead to success. We need to sometimes choose, and it, it's a mental decision. We don't forget, you know, when people do wrong things to us, it's not that we just totally forget it, but what we're doing is we're taking it and we're putting it over here and we're choosing to not bring it up again. We're going to put it back here. And sometimes it starts to creep out like this, and we got to go put it back there. I did a study in the book of uh, Genesis, and I taught Joseph for many weeks and weeks and weeks. And in the book of Genesis, you see all that happened to Joseph. And, and, and it's a, I love teaching Joseph. What a tremendous story. Joseph and Daniel are my two favorite people in the Bible. But Joseph, all that happened to Joseph, the Bible doesn't say anything bad about Joseph, but Joseph still could not put everything behind him. He knew what his brothers did to him. I believe it bothered him. And then the Bible says that he had his child, he had Manasseh. And the Bible says that he called him Manasseh because God allowed me to forget all the trouble, all the toil, all the things that really happened. And God, you know, through this child, the joy is able to put it back over here. And we need to have a Manasseh. We need to be able to say, you know, this is behind me now. And I'm not going to bring it up again. And I'm going to go on for the Lord. Because otherwise, this is going to get in my way. There's some things, you know, we need to forget, but there's some things that we need to never forget. And, and I've got here in my notes, remember what God has done for you. So easy, like I said before, to just forget what God has done. They told my wife that she might not be able to have children. We've got four, by the grace of God. But I'm just saying, God's done miraculous things. And he's done things for you. Just think of what he's done, I mean, really, just here in this church. I could say the same for mine, but, you know, what God has done here, and God is still working here. People are still coming here. Do you know how many places that they haven't had a visitor for just months and months and months and months and months? Not one. And the Lord's blessing here. Choose, you know, to never forget the things that God has done for you. On the cross of Calvary. Even, you know, I think of what God has done in America, but God has done some mighty things here in England. I remember I left that book. I still haven't finished it. Brother Stuart Harvey had it for months and months and months. All the amazing things that God did in this country. And God did some amazing things in England. And this is still a great country. And although it's not what it, you know, should be or what it maybe was at one point, you know, we're still preaching here. We're going to go out, you know, a few days from now and hand out tracts. Thank God for what you have. No, don't, don't get so short-sighted that you don't realize what God has done. Um, you know, I, I, I think of uh, just um, things, you know, that 
we make mental decisions that help us when trouble comes, that we can go through with it. I'm from um, New York, and, um, you know, 2001, we, we had the Twin Towers fall. And it was a tragedy in New York City. And everyone, in, I don't care where you were, everyone remembers the time, everyone remembers where they were. I was um, working under a bridge under the 290. I'll never forget when we got the call, first you know, plane hit, second plane hit. And during that time you know, of tragedy, it was, it was, there was 15,000 people in those buildings. 15,000. Think of that. 15,000 people. And ultimately, about 3,500 ended up, you know, perishing. But out of that 3,500, 431 were volunteer workers. Those are people that weren't in that building to start. 431. 200 of them. Think of, this, think of the scene. 200 of them jumped to their death out of that 3,500. 200. So you... Here's all of these rescue workers coming in. And all of these rescue workers are coming in, and everyone's going out. They're trying to get people out, get people out, get people out. But you know what I mean? Their, their heart is fixed. I've been trained to do a job. It doesn't matter the cost. I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. And there's a picture, an iconic picture. Mike, uh, 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 Mike uh, Kehoe is his name. And when everyone's rushing out, this fireman is, is going up. And, you know, in, in my mind, I look at that picture and I think, that's the way it ought to be. He ended up surviving. He was one of the guys that did survive. 431 perished. But if those men didn't go in and those men didn't do their job, I can't imagine how many would have perished. 15,000 were there. And such a great, you know, number was lost, but so many weren't lost because of what those guys did. But 430 of them paid with their lives. And all I'm saying is that we've got a lot to do. We may not have to run up into a, a burning building. We, you know, may not get called to do something that we think is, you know, an iconic picture. But we've got an important job to do, whether we're raising a family, whether we're working in the church, no matter what we're doing. And what we need to do is we need to make preliminary decisions. We need to think through. We need not to just say, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and not think about it. We need to keep our word. We need to say, you know, do I want to choose Christ and think about it and say, Lord, lead me the way I should go. And now, Lord, that I know which way I'm supposed to go, I'm going to go. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, I'm thankful for just uh, these folks allowing me to speak to them a little bit and challenge them tonight. I pray that we would consider, Lord, uh, the examples in your word. I think of the three Hebrew children. I think of Ruth. And, Lord, uh, her keeping her word. And, Lord, uh, these people, many of them had done a lot of prayer ahead of time. Lord, they had some soul searching that had been done. And, Lord, I pray that you give direction to each and every person here. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know where they're at. Lord, I don't know what decisions they should make. But, Lord, I pray that they would go to you with it, that you'd give them clear direction. And, Lord, when you give them direction, Lord, I pray that they'd stay the course. Lord, help them to make these preliminary decisions that they might be able to be a success. And Lord, I pray that you bless them. Lord, help them in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.